because I'm doing the things outside of the 13 or 14 hours, I feel like I'm working in the day job. It allows me to feel happy because I'm going there because I want to, not because I have to. And that's a huge difference. It would be difficult for you to go into a place where you felt like you had to go and be happy there. I'll never forget that day when I asked myself the question, is this it? Is this all there is to strive for in life? That day, I set out on a journey to find more. Now, I am sitting down with the most fulfilled to teach us the tools and tips they use to get there so we can do it faster. Think different, earn different, live fulfilled. This is Contrarian Cashflow. Bienvenidos a Contrarian Cashflow. Ahora conmigo, Billy Keels, desde Barcelona de España. Billy, ¿qué tal? <laughs> Oye, hombre, súper bien. Estoy encantado de estar aquí y no sabía que íbamos a hablar en español hoy. Perfecto. <laughs> I love this. How'd I do? How'd I do? How'd I that do? was awesome. That was amazing. <laughs> that was amazing. John, I love it. I'm ready to rock and roll now, baby. Let's do this. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> my man, my man. It's game time. My game time. All right. Well, hey, everybody, welcome in. Contrarian Cash Flow. I've got the man, the myth, the legend, Billy Keels, based in Barcelona, España. Billy, what's up, my man? John, I absolutely was not expecting that. Completely contrarian if you want to start from the very beginning. But you see, I was ready, man. I was ready. I got into character. That was that was pretty cool. So I'm ready to seguir en español. Vamos a ver. <laughs> That's all that I got, man. Awesome. That's the best I got. Okay. All right. That was good. That was good. I, I love that. This is this is uh this is gonna be a lot of fun. John, I am very much ready for this conversation and um, just I'm looking forward to being able to share this time with you and uh, and with your growing audience man so uh, I appreciate the uh, the opportunity to be here and I'm and I'm really really excited yeah man well hey anytime two sales guys can get together and chop it up you know what's not to love right <laughs> <laughs> exactly uh, all right so uh, for those that don't know so Billy uh, is in enterprise software sales happily employed in a corporate role uh, world traveler investor and of course above all else a loving father so I know you always got something on your plate, Billy. So what are you working on right now? Oh, man, working on a number of different things. So um, the biggest thing that I'm working on right now to be, well, just I guess we can jump right into it, is to be an even better husband and an even better father. I'm doing a lot of work right now to make sure that, you know, that I'm present and being really present. Uh, I know that I'm not going to be one of the, one of the dads that's there all day, every day, just because it's kind of my, my, my role in life, I guess. But I want to make sure that as my kids get older, right, our son's nine and 11, uh, and my wife and I have been together for uh, quite a while now, it's just making sure that they're getting the best of me. And so that's the biggest thing that, that I'm really working on is just being the best husband that I can be and being the best father that I can be. Uh, and then the other stuff, I'm sure we'll, we'll get a chance to spend some more time talking about. Dude, man, that's why I'm so excited about this. I, I love that. That's so important. Um, so what, so what, what are you trying to change or what are you doing differently right now to uh, emphasize that part? Yeah. So a couple of things. So, and I guess and we were talking about this a little bit before, but I, you know, when my kids were really, really small, I was in the point where I wanted to continue to climb up the corporate ladder. And that meant I was leaving Barcelona. I was flying to Paris. I was flying to Johannesburg. I was flying to London. I was flying to Germany. I was flying anywhere that I could be to be in the, in the room with the right people and do all that kind of stuff. 
and so I thought that that was really important to make sure that I was, you know, on a certain status on the airlines and a certain status on the, uh, on the hotels and, you know, had their nice cars from the airport to wherever I was going. And those things were really, really important to me. And as a result, there was a lot of time that I actually missed when my kids were really, really small. Like I wasn't an absentee dad by any means, but I, like when I look out on it now, I was like, wow, you know what, was it really necessary for me to be at that particular meeting or do this or do that? And so that time that I missed, I'll never get that time back. But one of the things that I'm really working on now is when I am with my family, like that is family time. It doesn't, it's not Billy, check your phone time, Billy, do this, Billy, do that. It's guess what? Uh, I'm not going to be on the phone. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that because I'm sitting here and I'm talking to my sons. We're playing Uno or I'm taking my wife to lunch and we're not going to have our phones or we're going to do this or we're going to do that. And so that's what my biggest thing is figuring out how to be present. And it's something that's not super easy, um, but it's something that I am committed to working on and getting better and better and better because I also recognize and I had a buddy of mine actually was on a, I was talking to a guy named Larry Hagner who has a, who has a podcast. And he'd mentioned to me one time, he's like, look, every summer that goes along, it's one less summer that you're going to have with your kids when they're small. And that started thinking, oh my gosh, that's like my parents. And so now that my children are nine and 11, I realized, you know what? Um, there are a couple more years that I can actually kind of still steal their time because pretty soon they're going to be like I was when I was 13 and 14 and 15. I wanted to hang out with my kids. So I'm really focused on right now, making sure that I'm maximizing the time with the kids and also making sure that I'm spending the quality time with uh, with my wife as well. Man, that is amazing. And, and that's something that I struggle with. And, and personally, I had actually done a really good job of, you know, hey, get home from work, you know, put the phone down, put the computer down. And for whatever reason, during COVID, I've gotten a little bit worse just because I think we're all waiting for that next action, right? You know, yeah. hey, you know, did the did the vaccine come out yet? Or, you know, did yeah, yeah. did did the customer respond? Or, you know, did the customer, you know, do anything? Yeah. And so I think that's one thing that's just so powerful. And, you know, it's funny, I'm, I'm still working on that. Unfortunately, I've kind of regressed, but that's something that, you know, now you're just making me think how much more accountability I need to take around that presence. Yeah. And I think it's a journey, man. It's like, I'm, I'm not saying that I'm perfect at it far from, but it's something that I'm aware of, I'm conscious of. And so I'm working on being a better father, being a better husband. And I'm definitely far from where I want to be, but at least I'm aware it's in my mind. And, and some days are, are better than others, right? They talk, that's just what they say. Some days are better than others, but at least it's in the front of my mind now. And I'm not, I'm, that's what I'm thinking about more than thinking about what is the next status or how many more miles or how many more nights do I have to stay in the hotel, which is just um, at this point in my life, it's probably the, well, it's one of the furthest things from my mind. So last thing before we jump into it, I kind of want to dig in on the thing you mentioned about the status and, you know, kind of the points and all that stuff. So how did you change your mindset? You know, it's because I think what people struggle with is kind of that external validation versus internal validation where, you know, your presence and you being around there for your kids, your wife, your family is very validating internally versus, you know, kind of the cars and stuff. Were you doing that because you truly wanted that? Or were you doing that because you felt that that's kind of what you needed to aspire to, to kind of reach, you know, the level of professionalism or success in that role? Yeah, Well, I think I I related that to success, right? I mean, at that point in my life, that's what I thought was really important was being always in position to get the next promotion and always being on the platinum status. And like, those were the things, you you know, you walk into the hotel and you get that special line and you're at the airport and you go to a special lounge and it was awesome. And then when you are, um, you, you know, whatever it is that you're doing, you're next when they're talking about promotion is your name there. And so being like always having your, your name in the ring, that was really, really important 
for me at that point in time. And, you know, John, I think that, well, no, I don't think, I know that that all changed on my oldest son's third birthday because I was, it was his third birthday. I remember getting up, it was like 5.45 in the morning. I had to be in a meeting in Germany and it was a meeting that I was like, I've got to be at this meeting. And then when it was my son's third birthday, it was in the morning and my wife and my youngest son, like were there having a quick happy birthday to my oldest son. And I realized like when I was going to the airport, like this is not what, like I've, I've something is not right. Like this is not what I wanted. I'm doing all this stuff. And that was kind of like the first kind of thing that really hit me in the head. Like, Billy, what are you doing? It's your son's third birthday. They're going to be, you're going to be looking at him later on while you're at some dinner with some people that, you know, they're nice people, but you, you need to be here with your family. So that's kind of what I thought was important in that moment, if I have to think about a specific moment when things kind of started to change in my life in terms of what the real priorities were, it was, it was really that, like, that's the one thing that I keep coming back to over and over and over. I really appreciate you sharing that story. Cause I think that'll be enlightening for a lot of in the mm-hmm. audience as well, thinking through. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, partially it's hard because we're all competitive, right? You're in sales. Yeah. I'm in sales. Yeah. I think that's kind of part of it. It's, it's not even that the next promotion is there. It's almost, you know, it's kind of like an addiction, right? You know, I kind of consider myself a deal junkie. So it's not, it's not even that they're, those outcomes are really that validating. It's more so that it's just like, I need to win. It, you know, and, and it, and anyways, that's one thing that I struggle with personally. It doesn't matter what it is, you know, tiddlywinks or the next promotion or the biggest deal or the, you know, the biggest IRR or whatever, you know, whatever the outcome is. So I really appreciate you sharing that. So yeah, man. no, that's powerful, man. That's deep. I appreciate it. I mean, this is, this is getting real, yeah. real quick. So I appreciate yeah, yeah. that. Um, cool. So yeah, but like, dude, you live in Barcelona. You were born in Columbus. Yep. Can Ohio. Just- Columbus, Ohio. Oh, wait, oh, Ohio, baby. <laughs> well, my wife's from Columbus, so she'd kill me if I didn't get that in there. <laughs> we're it. heading up Love to Gahanna coming up uh, in okay. a couple of weeks. So. All right, right on. Yeah, awesome. man. Yeah. So, but yeah, so, you know, born in Columbus, I know there was a, a, a uh, happening early in your life that kind of, you know, opened your eyes to, yeah. to kind of the greater world. But so, yeah, kind of get us started on, on your journey, Billy Keels. Yeah, man. And hopefully we won't go three hours long, but uh, no, I'll try and pack as many years as possible in a condensed space. But yeah, I mean, from, from Columbus, Ohio, I was, we were born there. Uh, parents would then went out to Colorado early on in life and my brother and sister were born out there. Uh, we went from Colorado to Texas and dad went out there. Mom wanted to go out there. And at that point, my parents started having some marital problems and then they reconciled and then they worked it out. And then eventually that didn't work out. And me, we went back with uh, my mom, my brother and sister and I, my dad stayed there. They then reconciled again. And then eventually that didn't work out. Dad moved away. And then we finished uh, high school in Columbus, ended up going to college at Miami University, which is in the Southwest of, of Ohio. It was amazing. It was awesome. Um, was a great experience. And along the way, I had an opportunity to live overseas. Uh, never expected that in a million years. Got two degrees. In 1995, I lived in Valencia, Spain. Completely changed my world in my, like, I'm from Columbus, Ohio. Like you said, like, I never thought I was going to go any further than, like, I was from Westerville. Like, maybe I was going to go <laughs> to downtown Columbus or something, you know. But eventually, that really just changed my whole perception of what I thought was life, right? And those three months in Valencia opened my mind to things that I never thought. And then right after that, I went to, I I got a second degree. I ended up moving to uh, St. Louis, Missouri, had a job where I was working and traveling throughout 58 countries in five years. It was amazing. I was working with Fortune 500 CEOs and on their business trips and was staying in five-star hotels, resorts. It was amazing. 
Um, and after that, I didn't see myself doing like a normal quote unquote nine to five job. So I was fortunate enough to, and I'd saved some money this time and I'd, I was accepted at a university in Paris called the Sorbonne. Um, I went there and I was supposed to be on a one year sabbatical. And the idea was I was going to learn about French language and culture because I landed there. I didn't even know how to say, je m'appelle Billy Kills. I, my name is Billy Kills. I learned that eventually. I also wanted to learn how to uh, learn more about wines and learn how to salsa dance. And so I don't know why those three things. The first one, I do know why, but then the other two, I guess the wine helped my salsa dancing in the evening. And I was a Cuban salsa dancer who was knew more about wine and didn't want to go back to the US because I was speaking French and understanding more about the culture. And uh, eventually was very fortunate, started working in IT. So I didn't go back to the US. I've been here in Europe almost 20 years. I left Paris. I moved to Montpellier down in the South, ended up meeting a very cool, cute Spanish woman while I was there. Along the way, I went to Italy went back to France. And then I've been here in Barcelona since 2005, got married and two kids. So um, that's how a guy from Columbus, Ohio ends up going to 86 countries, speaking five languages, gets married and um, well, has two kids and is now hanging out here telling his story with you, John. (laughs) That's pretty darn contrarian right there, man. I mean, oh my gosh, you've been all over the place. So much to unpack. So so you talked about when you first went over, right? And you kind of had that awakening or that moment. Yeah. So so what was different about traveling there? And what did you find out either about yourself or about the world that intrigued you so much? Man, I just remember getting off the plane. This was in September of, uh, of 1995. And it, 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 I just remember getting off the plane. Like I knew Spanish, or at least I thought I did. And I got off the plane and they started speaking and I was freaked out. I was like, oh my gosh, they don't speak any English. And I was like, of course they don't speak English because I'm in Spain and where are my parents and my friends? And I was freaking out, right? Uh, because I knew that I wanted this adventure. I'd saved money because my parents didn't have money to pay for me to go there. And so I was like, oh my gosh, so I've got to make the most of this. But I did what most people would do. I was out of my comfort zone, out of my element. And I was only there for three months. So although I was cool having fun at night, what I did is I surrounded myself with other American kids that were like me, spoke like me, dressed like me, because it was safe. We went out together. We hung out together. And I realized that after three months, although I met friends and I started learning a bit about the culture, that I didn't really give myself the the opportunity to learn, to struggle, to fall forward um, because I was afraid. And what I took away from that in, in 1995 was if I ever, ever had the opportunity to, to live overseas again, that I was going to do quite the opposite. And, and I was fortunate enough to have that opportunity. And it's anytime you tell yourself, if you, if you get another chance to make the most of it, then you do it. And so I was given that opportunity in 2001 and I did just the opposite. Anytime I heard English, I went the other way because I didn't want to be tempted. Uh, anytime I was frustrated, I would, you know, I'd break down. There were moments when I, you know, I was in my room in Paris and I was crying because I I didn't, I was like, what in the world am I doing here? This, this is crazy. Didn't know anybody. Money was different. Language was different. And there was no one to turn to because I moved there without knowing anybody at all. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, that, that was kind of a little bit, I, I think I got lost a little bit in the, in the story, but that's kind of, those are some of the different things that were happening to me. Why, when it happened to me once, I realized that if it happens again, I, I wanted to do quite the opposite. And as a result, I've continued to do the opposite and always looking to learn more about other people and where they're thinking, why they're thinking it without judging it. I don't do that as well as I'd like to do all the time. But I think now that I've had so much exposure, I've been very, very fortunate in my lifetime that 
I, I'm curious and I want to learn and, and do that without, tr- without trying to, to, to judge others. So. I mean, man, that's so cool because I think that's one of the points of this podcast and just kind of some of the comments that I try to make is, is go against the mainstream, right? It's great to be in the room, a room with like-minded people. And that's obviously a certain, you know, scenario you have to go through, but what are you really doing to push yourself and learn about yourself and learn about other people? And I just, I don't know, that's so powerful. And I really hope the audience, you know, can really kind of think internally for themselves and really say, Hey, you know, am I really pushing myself out of my comfort zone? Because the funny thing is, as scary as it is, that's where the strides come is when you get outside your comfort zone and you do something funky, funky and and crazy. Right. And really push yourself. So you were all over the place. You know, you traveled to all these countries. I mean, how many, how many continents? Um, well, (laughs) this is always one of the funny things because now that I've lived in Europe for quite a while, and I have been to six continents, but in Europe, because there are only five continents, um, there's an open debate. So I have personally, what I believe I've been to six continents, the only, the only um, large mass I've not stepped on is Antarctica. I haven't been there yet. So once I head there, then I will be on the uh, seventh continent. And if all that like last 30 seconds just confused you, we'll chat about it later on. But it's this whole, are there five continents or seven continents? Anyone who's lived between the US and Europe? you'll understand exactly what I'm talking about. So stop laughing. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Love it. So, so how did you end up in Europe? I mean, so you talked about, you know, you've touched every continent except Antarctica, which, you know, not, I don't know how many sales jobs are in Antarctica anyway. So, you know, probably a good reason, but so, so why'd you end up where you did? So, well, by the way, I got really, really close to Antarctica. I was in a place uh, called uh, the Tierra del Fuego in the south of Argentina, um, all the way at the bottom at the southernmost point in a place called Ushuaia. And I was, I was kind of close, but I, I, I will get back. I'll get over there. Um, but how did I end up here in Barcelona or how did I? Just, I mean, in general, how'd you end up in, you know, so you talked about going to Paris and then you went to yeah. Montpellier and, but so how did you, yeah. How'd you kind of choose there versus, Hey, you know, I've been to all these other places. Yeah. So it was really a matter of when I finished that job where it was five years in 58 countries, it was one of those things where since I didn't, I knew that I didn't want to do a normal nine five and I thought, okay, well, what am I going to do? And so then I just said, I'm going to do a one-year sabbatical and I'm just going to stop. And I didn't know where I wanted to go. I thought about going to Italy because I'd, I'd traveled to Italy, had some really good contacts there. And it, you know, it just didn't work out. Um, I ended up wanting to learn French because I had no notions, nothing at all about French. And I got accepted at a university there. And so when I was accepted at the Sorbonne, it made it really easy. And then I was like, okay, I'm accepted here. Now, now I've got to figure out like, where am I going to live? How am I going to do any, all this kind of stuff. And so I literally took a flight to Paris, didn't know anybody, found a flat right in the center, center of the city. I think I spent like five or six days. I literally flew from the US to uh, Paris with the goal of finding a place to live. <laughs> and then I flew back, which was kind of crazy. Uh, and then from there, it was you know, I was just going to do those three things. I was going to learn French and salsa dance and, and wine. And I didn't know what else I was going to do, man. And I did, I never thought I would be living in Europe 19 years later. Never thought I was going to be married with two kids already. It's like, it's just, I've just been really, really fortunate, man. Really fortunate. So. Absolutely. So, so yeah. what's the hardest part for an American transitioning to becoming a, a European? Are you, so are you a citizen of any countries over there? Are you a Spanish citizen? No, I'm a U.S. citizen residing in Spain. So, and, and I think because of what happened in the, that experience, right? You and, and as I mentioned, you have an experience and it's how do you react to that experience? And my experience in 1995, when I just stayed with people that were like me, um, 
I knew inside that I, I missed an opportunity, you know, and you will feel that when you miss an opportunity. And it's the question is, are you ready to face that failure moment, right? Because eventually on the other side of facing that failure, you get to a point where you can say, you know what? I was there. I tried it. I pushed through it. It wasn't easy, but I actually made it to the other side. And and that making it to the other side happened for me six years later when I ended up landing in Paris because it was like landing and seeing that you know Spanish woman named Nieves who saw me the day I got off the off the um, the bus in September of 1995. I got a chance in September of 2000. Actually, I never even thought about that. September of 2001, six years later, to really relive that failure moment. And I did exactly the opposite. Like if you think about contrarian, like I did exactly the contrarian move to what I'd done in 1995. I did that in 2001. And the result has been magnificent for me. It hasn't been easy, but it's been magnificent in terms of growth opportunity, opportunity to impact other people's lives and be impacted by other people's lives. Because, you know, giving yourself the opportunity to to fail, look stupid every once in a while, there's there's a lot that can be learned from that. What's what's your favorite part about living in Spain or or just Europe in general? You know, I there, there's this sense of family and the sense uh like the first thing that comes to my mind is it's okay to be on vacation. Like when you're on vacation, you can be on vacation. Like you have five weeks of vacation and you can spend it with family and you don't have to worry about um, you know, only taking X number of days. And I work in a very high stress environment when sales enterprise wide. And it's still okay to, you know, go two or three weeks without checking your phone every single day. And that to me, it just, it, it, it's amazing. It's amazing. Quality, I mean, being able to spend quality time and not be nervous that, you know, you're not going to be able to get back to your job or this or that. And um, it's something that I definitely value. It took me a while, but uh, it's something that I definitely value now. Well, that's why I'm always frustrated in like August and stuff. You know, all the Brits are like, I'm on holiday. I'm like, what do you mean? Come back. I need, I need an answer from you. I got to sign this contract. You're like, wait two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> nah, man. So, well, so one of the things that you talk about, um, you know, you just touched on it there with you, with your job and your career. So I think one of the things a lot of the audience struggles with is weighing this entrepreneurial spirit, which, you know, I think being in sales, you've got to be, you know, you know, pretty ingrained entrepreneurially. I kind of, you know, put them as one and the same in a lot of regards, but so how do you juggle you know, being a corporate employee and I love that happy, happy corporate employee, right? Because I think so many people struggle with, you know, the battle between good and evil of, you know, oh my gosh, you're working for the man or, oh my gosh, like, you know, now you're just, you know, you quit. So, you know, really you say you're an entrepreneur, but really you're just unemployed. So, so how do you stay motivated and, and happy and how have you find the mindset to kind of, you know, deem yourself a happily employed corporate employee? Yeah. So that's an easy question to answer. And it's like super deep at the same time. So um, I think you deserve the the, the deep answer, right? Um, and so it, it's not something that is easy, probably for a lot of people. And because you, 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 until you find your sweet spot, it's really difficult to be happy. And the fact that I am working in a market leading company during the day, right? In, a, in an enterprise uh, market leader, and I'm in a role that plays to my, not only skills, also to my talents. It's something that it's like, it's amazing. Why would I not be happy to be able to go into work every day? Um, at the same time, I've done a lot of work outside of the 
the constructs of my enterprise company that I work for during the day and what I've done at night in those late night hours or in those early mornings and where I'm creating time, like I, Maurice was mentioning that not too long ago, I, I live like that. And so because I'm doing the things outside of the 13 or 14 hours, I feel like I'm working in the day job. It allows me to feel happy because I'm going there because I want to, not because I have to. And that's a huge difference. I think it's difficult for, it would be difficult for you to go into a place where you felt like you had to go and be happy there. And the fact that the financial life and the things that I want are not 100% linked to that corporate role allows me to be happy, right? And so it's the combination of the two things, being able to be in the type of role that I like, which is sales, sales leadership, doing it across multiple very large organizations because we're solving huge problems and then doing the work outside of the office to know that, okay, I, I can take time off when I need it. We have the things that we need from a financial perspective. And so that allows me to go into a space where I'm happy every day that I go into that job. And I will continue to go into that job until guess what? I'm happier outside of the job than I am in the job. If that makes, if that makes sense. I, I, don't, I mean, that was perfectly stated. I really appreciate your response there because I think, and I think that's one of the things, and we'll definitely touch upon the investing piece of it too, but that's yeah. one of the things, especially in a sales role that I think is interesting for folks to, to consider out there. Um, you know, especially high performance sales professionals, it, it, it's tough, right? I mean, this year, yeah. my income is 25% less than it was last year. And, you know, I don't personally think I got any worse at sales. Maybe I did. Um, but, you know, customers, you know, customers are, are more difficult to reach now. It, you know, you don't have the option of face-to-face in person meetings it is commonly, um, you know, travel's difficult. Everyone's kind of constrained. And so I think that's one of the nice things about having that diversity of income is because yeah. if you do have that down year, you're not, oh my gosh, I need to jump ship. Right. I mean, cause that's the, yeah. that's the problem with sales is that's in a lot of, for a lot of folks, it's a revolving door, right? You, yeah. you jump, jump from one sales job to the next. And yeah. you know, the reality is what do you really chase, what are you leaving? Right. You know, really the change needs to happen internally. What's your recommend, what's the recommendation for folks that may have that struggle and haven't found that balance yet to, you know, being happy and, and, or if they do have that feeling of having to go in versus wanting to go in. So there's a couple of things actually, and I just want to share something with you because I think it's, it's relevant um, because of this, I work in a professional services environment and a lot of the, um, the, the, the customers that I work with are related to the hospitality industry. So you can imagine the debacle that it has been 2020 for, uh, for my customers during the day. Right. And so I'm just very fortunate that I've been doing a lot of the work outside of the office um, because the same scenario that you're talking about, like my, if it were to depend on, if our livelihood were to depend on my variable income this year would just be a disaster. And so all of the work that we've done for the past six and seven years is this year is, is something that's really helped us to, to, to stay afloat as a family. So I don't think it's an easy, and that's just to kind of give you an example, because I'm relating a lot to what you, you just said. And at the same time, you know, it's, I'm sensitive to the fact that when you're happy, it means that you've probably done a lot of work before. And there are times in your life where you have to just do certain things, right? And when I came out of college, I had over $60,000 worth of debt. Like this was back in the 20s or not, sorry, not in the 20s, back in the, in the 20s. Wow, there we go. 
this is, so, this, so this was, this was 20 over 20 years ago is what I wanted to say. So back in the mid mid nineties and that was a lot of money. And so guess what? I was in a great opportunity in a role, but every single paycheck went to paying off my college loan. So I liked the job, but was I extremely happy? Well, not really. Cause I kind of had to go into the job, but I knew that I wanted to get that those loans paid off. And after that, that was just going to free up my mental space. So maybe for someone, you know, you're, you're, you're watching, you're listening today and you're thinking to yourself, well, I've got to go into this job every day because I've got bills to pay. I get that. Right. And, and there's a certain point where you have to make some sacrifice. It's not, everything's not just like really quick and easy. Like we do make, we make things look on sometimes on, on social media. So set a goal for yourself and figure out, you know, maybe you don't love, you're not super happy going into your job every day, but there's a reason you're there to build a skill. You're there to build a network. You're there to do something that is going to help you get to where you want to be after you're in this particular role or after you get the next promotion. And that could be a year, two years, five years. You know, it took me five years. And and so just give yourself specific um, to kind of targets and goals and realize that you can be learning something every single day, even if it's not, even if you're not a happy corporate employee, you can be learning and building a skill set that's going to get you to a happy place when you're done. 100%. I just love the 360 view, you know, and I think that's important because early on in my career, somebody said, if you just are seeking fulfillment from your job, you're setting yourself up for failure. 100%, you know, like, yeah, of course, you know, of course you want to go in and feel like you're making a difference and making an impact and doing something of value. But if you're solely seeking it, and this was a guy that was, you know, top performer in the company had worked for the company for over 20 years and it always stuck with me. And I think that's, what's so important about this diversity is we're just thinking of different things You know, diversity of income is we're thinking differently in di- different scenarios. So our mind, you know, kind of, we're giving our mind to work out in a different scenario than selling a, you know, a, a, sol- a software solution to a, to a, you know, a, a huge hospitality enterprise, you know, trying to, you know, underwrite a deal or trying to talk to an investor about, you know, what they, you know, what their uh, why is and what their potential outcome they're looking for. So, um, okay, let's, so let's, so let's dig into that a little bit. So you've got this great job. You've got a beautiful family. Sounds like you're making good money. You're doing really well. You know, you're living in the, the, you know, the, the, what is it? The Riviera, you know, are you living in, you know, you're living (laughs) uh, in the Mediterranean. Mediterranean. Yeah. 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 You know, so you're living the life. Like what else could there be? Like, why are you really chasing this stuff outside of that? Um, So, you know, and I think, uh, well, they talk about you either are running away from something or running towards something. And when you get to a certain point in in life, right? And I'm still young. I consider myself young. I'm not as young 100%, as I used to be 20 100%. years ago, right? <laughs> I've, I've earned a couple of my gray hairs and stuff like that. But, um, you know, you get to a certain point and you think, all right, well, I could keep doing this forever and ever. And, and you could, right? I guess I've always had this internal drive that says I want to be able to do something more, something more, something more. And for a while, professionally, it was how do I get to the top of the org chart? Like that was my thing. Like I really believed that I wanted to get to the top of the org chart. And then I, until I realized that you have to do so many different things that I know that I'm never going to be willing to do to get to the top of the org chart, right? That was one thing that happened. Also, a couple of things happened in 2000 when I was doing all the things I was supposed to do. I was putting my money in, into my 401k and all things were good right out of college and 2000 happened and and I lost my portfolio value. And I was like, well, hang on a second. I'm doing all the things. I've got my two college degrees. I'm out there. I'm putting my money in. You know, I'm paying off my student loans. 
And that was terrible. And so then after that happened, it kind of went down. Oh, don't worry about it. Just you got to hang in there, do what you're supposed to do. And I'm talking about my financial life, right? And so things started going back to where they were good. And then 2008 in my portfolio, I, you know, I still had my job. I was going up to promotion. I was cool. I was getting ready to get married. And 33% of my portfolio value I lost. And I was like, okay, once if it happens, it's shame on you. Twice if it happens, shame on me was what my parents always taught me. So then I realized like, I've got to figure out a way to do this. Like, how do you get out of this trap, Billy? Because it was a financial trap. And because of the way that I grew up, not having lots of additional resources and I couldn't, I wasn't thinking that I was going to get this massive inheritance. This really affected me. And so then I started, read this book, purple book, right? The purple Bible, as a lot of people call it, the rich dad, poor dad. And I put it down and picked it up, put it down, picked it up. And eventually, like to make a, a long story short, I ended up buying rental property. Thought I was going to buy here in Europe, in Barcelona, but ended up buying back in the United States. And so that really started to set a path to say, look, that corporate dream that you had, like, you, you can put it in its proper perspective because you can still add a lot of value. You can still do a lot of things. And at the same time, if you're able to really start creating this and you're in control of it, then guess what? This could actually be pretty cool. Now, what I didn't realize is that I could use all those same skill sets, those same talents, uh, and all the different things that I'd learned after 15, 20 years at the time of corporate life. Oh my gosh, I just pivot and use those same skills, <laughs> those same talents and build my own business and have more control over my financial life. And so at that point, it was like, you know what? It's not about, do I do the corporate thing or do I do my own financial life? It's the power of, and like, how do I make sure that I'm still performing in my day job and crushing it and getting more control over my own personal life and financial life, which is something that for me is, was, and is still really, really important. So, and there's still that balance right today. Um, but I, I know that my, that my mindset is really about how do I control more of this part of the, the life? Because I'm now seeing that I can do more and more and more. And not only that for me, but you get to a point where you can actually start to affect other people's lives, because guess what? In the same way that there's a, a, a trust in your capabilities during the day and your role and in the brand that you represent, you can do the exact same thing for your for yourself and for your family and for the other people that know, like, trust, and confide in you. And so it's about being able to find, find that balance and be able to push and push and push the boundaries to the point where you can be really, really happy in, in all the things that, that you're doing. And, and I feel like that's the path right now that I am on. I mean, and I couldn't agree a hundred percent, you know, I mean, that's one of the biggest things for me is diversity of income, you know, and I think that's so important. You kind of touched on it earlier when you were talking about, because this year was challenging. I mean, you mentioned hospitality. I mean, I can't think of hospitality and retail, right? That's what's been crushed more than anything. And, you know, if you're big box retail, you're fine. Right. Uh, yeah. But, you know, you yeah. know, kind of unfortunately mom and pop retail and smaller retailers are, are going by the wayside. Um, and just that ability to kind of pull from different sources and, you know, from a mindset perspective, it probably kept you more, you know, you were able to focus on your family and the things that really mattered versus, oh my gosh, like, you know, Hey, I was expecting this amount of income and it, and it didn't happen. So, um, so from an investment perspective, since you've got the corporate job, um, what type of investments are you looking for? Are you looking, you know, are you trying to do more yield plays? Are you doing, trying to do more, Hey, let's just try to, you know, expedite the velocity of this capital as much as possible. What's your methodology on investment choices still working? Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm a big believer in number one. So, well, 
I'm a big believer in uh, placing the right amount of capital, meaning the, the correct volume of capital uh, in the right vehicle that creates the velocity to get my capital back to me and allows me to also create yield on top of that. And the reason I explain it that way is because I used to say, all right, I'm going to put a little bit of capital here, a little bit of capital here, a little bit of capital here. But even if that little bit of capital gets you a four, four digit return, it's still a little bit of capital, right? And so the, the first thing is to say, and whatever that volume, higher volume of capital means for you, right? Because it means different things for different people. Study, take your time and place it is where I do now is place it where it, I believe, number one, that that volume of capital that is placed is going to return as quickly as possible. The quicker, the better. And then on top of that, there is a yield, right? And one of the other things that is really important to me, um, although I've decided to live in Europe, is what can be done from a tax perspective, right? How much, because, and this is also too, just in general, right? This is one of the things that if, if I can share is I used to always worry about like, how much money am I going to make? How much money am I going to make? How much money am I going to make? And like, I was always thinking, man, I'm going to get an X percent raise an X percent raise. And then it, you realize that it's not about how much money you make. It's about how much money you keep. And so that's when, when we think about kind of what types of plays, it's placing the right volume velocity of capital comes back and then return on that capital. So, so the yield and where it can, where can, it can happen is being able to have the right tax, make sure that you pay your proper amount of tax or minimize it as, as much as legally possible. So hopefully that tax, answers your tax question. Tax advantage, right? Tax advantage. Tax advantage. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that is a masterclass. I love that. So how did you go, how, you know, how did you get from placing your first investment to, to that mindset. I mean, that's, that's amazing. That's powerful. Trial and error. Right. And so the first thing was I knew what stocks were like. My money just sat there. It went up, it went down. I couldn't touch it. Looked like I was making a lot of money. Then I was missing, losing a lot of money. And that was one way. And then when I feel, realized that I actually wanted to get into the real assets game, right. I now think of it as real assets, not because I'm doing a lot of different things, but is, saying, okay, I knew that I had money. I had 25% to put down. I learned how that was supposed to work. And when I got that 25%, I put that down and then I had money and we got the people and we improved the property and we increased the rents. And, and it was pretty amazing, right? I mean, that was, that was really, really amazing to, to see that and to see that there was uh, control over that. But the only thing that I recognize is I put my money in and there was money in my bank account every single month from these, you know, from these properties. And I thought, wow, this is cool. Like I can actually touch this money. It's not just on a statement that says it's up now and it's down now and it's up there. And oh, by the way, if you want to touch this, you're going to get 10% tax because you're under 59 and a half. And at least that's where I was before. And I could actually touch it. And I was like, okay, this is cool. And so then there was more money and there was more money and there was more money. And then I got my tax bill at the end of the year. And I was like, well, how's hang on a second. How is this even possible? But there wasn't a lot of science to it, but it just felt right. It was like, oh my gosh, this is cool. I'm making this bet put this money in, getting this money out. And then after a while you start realizing, okay, well, yeah. And, and I'm still on this track, right? I'm not definitely haven't arrived. I'm learning a lot of stuff every day, but then you start realizing, okay, well, great. So now it's, I'm just getting money, but then, all right, now compared to what, what else is out there? And does it make more sense for me to do this by myself? And then I start realizing, oh, you know what? There are a lot of people that are really specialized in a certain area. Well, self-storage, I hadn't really thought about that. Or you're doing multifamily. Okay, that's really cool. What are the, okay. And you can actually, I just put my capital here and I'll get a return 
that is not as much as what I was doing on my own, but it's still not bad. And I can get some of those tax benefits as well. Okay, well, cool. Well, let, let me start to study and see what is out there. And so, you know, oh, wait, hang on a second. These are, these are ATM. Okay. Well, that, that looks really interesting in these types of returns. And oh, that's an energy play. And okay, well, let me start to learn about these other th- types of things so that I can actually say, because one day John's going to ask me, like, what are you really interested in? You, then you get to a point where you can formulate and say, listen, if I can get return on my capital in two years and, or five years, and I can get a 16% IRR, and I can also mitigate my taxes by blah, blah, blah. Like, that's a process, but it all starts out with the first of all, you just get a, you know, you get a positive feeling. Oh, that feels good. I want to learn more about that. And then you get that curiosity and you learn and you learn and you learn. And then you get to a certain point where you know that unless you are going to get a minimum 12% IRR over three and a half years at such and such in this type of an asset class, then you're not going to look at it. And then you can say, no, 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 no. It takes time to do that, right? But it, I believe it has to start with the first positive experience and that curiosity and that builds and you want to look and you want to learn and you want to def- and you and you want to define and you begin to define so that you can say no to a lot more things than you say yes to. I love that depiction and also it's something that I can personally relate to from the standpoint that a lot of investments that I had made, you know, even passive, I would I would do differently now, right? Some of them, you know, it's just kind of like, but I think the point you're making is you've got to take action. I love that trial and error. You don't know what you like and what you don't like. Um, I can tell you one thing I do like to your point. It's nice every month. It's like, oh, on the 15th, boom, bloop. You know, it just drops right in your bank account and you're just like, whoa, I didn't do anything. <laughs> you know, I didn't I didn't do anything this month. And oh, that's nice that they just deposited that in there. And I mean, that's right. not a by no means am I trying to say that's a guarantee, but I mean, at least in my experiences so far, uh, you know, they've been fairly consistent. Dividends. So here's the thing. So here's the thing. So this, and, and, and I, I agree with what you say. I'm just going to push back just a little bit because what you, I believe what you meant to say is you didn't do anything this month when you got that check, but what you did do is you studied you understood the investment. You made sure that the volume of capital that you were placing with that particular uh, individual in that particular opportunity in that particular location, you'd already done the work. You did all the work up front so that for the next X number of months or years, then you just look back and go, you know what? I'm glad I did that work up front. I'm glad I reached out. I'm glad I talked to that person. I'm glad I got all of my really difficult questions answered because now. I don't need to talk to them. I don't need to do anything. I'm happy getting this email once a month. And I really love checking my bank account because that means I made the right bet. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you're putting me in my place, man. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I just, no, I just, want, no, I just no, want everybody to know that that's what you really meant to say. <laughs> uh, no, I appreciate, I appreciate the clarification because that's a huge, important piece, right? It's huge. not just, hey, this person looks interesting. Hey, look, this deal looks interesting. Um, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the education piece is so important that the talking to people and, but you know, the big thing is just, you've got to try different investments to understand which yep. ones you like and which ones you don't. And so um, that, that's kind of that, but no, I know I appreciate you clarifying yeah. that. I'm just giving you a hard time. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the last thing before we wrap up here um, yeah, with the contrarian three pack, you live in, you live in Barcelona, man. Like, I mean, you know, do you got to fly over and, you know, hand them a big stack of euros or how are you investing in these U S <laughs> assets? Yeah. And, and this comes back to what I mentioned before, right? When you recognize, especially if you have corporate opportunity, when you recognize what your strengths are, and you can focus on those strengths, then the the probability of you achieving what it is that you want to achieve is much, much higher. And what do I mean by that? 
I live in Barcelona, Spain. I, as of today, I invest exclusively in US-based real assets. In my corporate role, one of the things I realize is that I'm very good with talent selection. I'm very good with helping to take things that are complicated and make them easily understood for people. Um, I'm also good with setting direction. I'm also um, very good in continuing to, to, to get better about being able to follow up on the things that need to be followed up on. And so when you take those skills and you recognize them and you say, oh, guess what? I can actually apply these same types of things to building a team, right? Making sure that that team is studying uh, the right locations. I have a specific interest and I know exactly kind of from a personal philosophy of the types of things and that I like to invest in and in, in, in services that I like to offer. And when I can take that, translate that to the team that I'm building, and then from there, understand that the locations that we're going to really be focused on, the team understands those locations. And ultimately, the opportunity that ties into that specific location, all of that, like it just fits, right? And so being able to, to, to have a strong team in the right location that is aligned with my vision, then whenever that specific opportunity comes along, then it allows me to be in Barcelona. It allows me to be in Gehenna. It allows me to be in, I don't know, the French Polynesia, if I really need to be or want to be there. And so that's the thing that I think is just really, really wonderful. And I, and I realized that a long time ago. And this is something that I think a lot of people as of today, because of what's happening in the global context, are just now realizing like, oh my gosh, if I have the right vision, if I have the right mission, the values, the team's there, and they've got the right direction and I can follow up then guess what? I can pretty much be anywhere I want to be in the world. And so I guess that's kind of what is happening. Although I think it's awesome living in Barcelona and I feel super fortunate to be able to do that. Um, I can do that because of what the the team is able to to go out and execute against and and my ability to continue to work with them and, and, and meet new people and stronger operators and all that other kind of stuff. Well, I love your point around going back to leveraging your strengths, right? You know what you're good at. And so you're using those to execute on a business plan. What it reminds me of is, uh, so I still haven't read the purple Bible, um, but um, Jeremy Roll actually turned me on to cash flow quadrant. And oh, yeah. so I just, that one was amazing. And the funny thing is it was more about the mindset, right? About, you know, what, what function of, of the quadrant do you want to reside within? And uh, the way you're describing it is really reminding me of the investor quadrant. Right. So you're kind of the puppeteer above everything and you're saying, okay, this looks right. This doesn't look right. You know, this is what I'm going to invest in because of X, Y, and Z. Again, we all have to make a lot of assumptions in these investments, but you're using that, those as KPIs and saying, hey, you know, past performance is X. So I think this is going to perform to this, you know, mm-hmm. outcome and scenario. So, all right, real quick, let's squeeze it in. So, what's your recommendation to the audience around finding partners that are reliable and that, you know, you should be willing to invest with? the thing I've done is it's, it's like any relationship, man. It's, you have to invest time. Right. Um, I don't believe that there's a way to shortcut that. The recommendation is take action. Right. Um, and just use this as an example, because we meet a lot of people online, but there's a certain point that it's got to go from the offline to, to, to actually getting on a zoom session and chatting and 
spending multiple hours, right? Because if you imagine you're going to write a $100,000 check or a $300,000 check or whatever it is, like you need to feel like you know that person and you need to be able to ask some uncomfortable questions and you need to feel comfortable. And that usually doesn't happen because you met somebody over the internet and you've chatted a couple of times and said, Hey, this looks really cool. And I love your blue shirt. Like, it's just, it doesn't happen that way. I don't, I like, I like I, that's not happened to, to people that I know. I mean, that could happen every once in a while, but I would say that that's more of the outlier versus what can happen. So meet someone, however you want to meet them, but get to know them, invest time with them. And, and they should be willing to invest time with you. If they don't invest time with you, then that means it, it, it doesn't mean that it's not a good match. It's just not the right match for you, right? Spend time when we can actually start getting out traveling again. If it makes sense to meet that person, talk to them, understand more about their philosophy, what they're doing, why they're doing it, but invest the time to get to know the players. I think that I mean, there, that's not really a, a secret sauce and, and maybe not even a recommendation, John, but it's just, you know, good old common sense and, and getting to know people and doing it that in the way that you feel comfortable. That's a hundred calls. It's a hundred calls. And if the other person doesn't want to do a hundred calls and guess what? It ain't right. It's not the right fit. Move on, <laughs> do something else. No, I love so. that. And especially in this day and age, right? Instant gratification is what we're all seeking. And I think just the idea around, you know, taking a step back and saying, hey, you know, is this somebody I, I know, you know, and I like them and and that we can work together, right? It's yeah. almost one of, one of the best analogies I've heard is like, would you sit down and go grab a beer with this person? Yeah. You know, or I guess a, a, a glass of vino, right? Exactly, uh, <laughs> exactly. A red wine, a red wine, man. Come on. <laughs> Uh, no, man, I, this is, I love this. It's been a lot of fun. Um, so let's wrap up here with the contrarian three pack. So you, you touched on a couple different things there and that's what is so intriguing about your background and your, your thought process is you, you look at all sorts of investments, but what, what would you say is the most contrarian investment that you've made? The most contrarian that I've ever made. Um, well, the one that I, that I made that I never thought I was going to make, uh, was in, uh, ATM machines like that was, it was just something that I, I never even thought, I never thought I'd own a mobile home park either, but I think just contrarian was yeah, with, without a doubt the ATM. Cause I just, I, I, I didn't see it, but you know, there was a, your things were moving in the right direction. You start getting closer in terms, in terms of what are your criteria, right? You know, what type of uh, yields, what type of velocity, what type of volume. And when it checks the boxes, you have to be open you know, keep your mind open. And I kept my mind open and learned and studied and asked the questions. And eventually, like, I guess that was, uh, to date, that was the most contrarian. But if you, well, let's talk in a couple months and maybe we'll tell you something else. (laughs) I know, man, I'm chomping at the bit. You told me about that a while back, man. Honestly, that's been in the back of my mind. Don't, don't hold out on me. Don't hold out on me. I know you got something special cooking. So I've been thinking about it ever since we chatted about it. So I know, I know you're under lock and key, so I'm not going to put you in the but, uh, you know, the ATMs are interesting because just to touch on it real quick, I didn't realize yeah. all the ability they had to generate revenue outside of just the, the transactions, you know, and it, I guess marketing, you know, and marketing things like that. Yeah. Because it's a big I mean, brother. The they the got day, their camera. Well, yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, they, you, 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 you're walking there's you know, they're, they're constantly collecting data. Right. And so when they're collecting data, you can do some really hyper specific uh, marketing and things like that. Yeah. I mean, plus at the end of the day, it's 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 a real estate play because it's it's a, it's taking up a certain space and it has some tax benefits and all these kinds of things. So yeah, yeah it's pretty I'm, I'm with you. That's one I've heard of and kind of dug in a little bit. Have it not taken the plunge yet, but I definitely think okay. if you want yield, it's pretty tough to beat. If you're looking for yield, that, that play is pretty tough, uh, at least from the numbers that I've seen. So, um, well, we talked about them a lot, quite a bit, but so what is your favorite activity to do with your, your sons and, and your wife? 
Um, right now we're in this phase where we are playing lots of Uno. So uh, we're playing that, that, that for me is a lot of fun because the kids are getting older and they're starting to have their strategies <laughs> and it's great. And, you know, when they, they have a plus four, they're like, boom, plus four in your face, <laughs> you know, and it's just uh, that that is a lot of fun. Like that comes to the top of mind because we're, we're doing a lot of that on the weekends and, and playing and just to see their evolution and understanding of the of Uno is is pretty cool. Plus, I love being able to go to the beach. Like that's one thing just to walk with them and they're on their skateboards or on their scooters. And my wife and I can just hang out behind them and scream, hey, slow down, watch out, be careful. And um, those are those are kind of things that uh, that we like to do. Yeah, man. No, we're a big Uno family too. And so my youngest is five. So, you know, she's, the wheels are starting to turn right. a little bit, you know, she can play, but she needs a little bit of help here and there. And, uh, I just, it is a lot of fun. I'm, I'm with you, man. <laughs> I, I love that. That's a, that's a great family game. And, you know, yeah. even if you're, you know, kid or adult, it's, it's a lot of fun, right? Quick and easy and easy yeah. to learn, pick up, uh, you don't forget how to play Uno. So, yeah. um, so, so what offers you the most fulfillment in life? Oh man. Um, I, the, the most fulfillment is being able to, I guess, see the, see the impact that I am making positive impact that I, that I'm making on, uh, on others. And, and, and I think it goes back to one of the things we were talking about in the very beginning. Like that's one of my, my yearnings. Like I, I realized that the biggest thing for me in terms of uh, what I will see is when my children are older, like, and was I doing the right things, the right investments in them? Was I there for them? Was I uh, listening to them in the way that they needed me to, to, to listen to them? And are they taking away the lessons that I believe are important for them uh, as, as young men to, um, to, to, to really have, like, I, I think that's the, that's the biggest thing. And I, and, and I guess I won't really know how that impact worked out until you know many many years hopefully from from now so but but i think that's the that's the biggest thing being able to see the impact and when i think specifically on 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 my kid about my kids and the impact that i have on them and and also uh on my wife Uh, those are the things that that kind of bring 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 me back and, and make me think about yeah, man. I love that. I'm, I'm a hundred percent all in with you, right? You got to plant those seeds and yeah. we're all just trying to do the best that we can. And, you know, we're all going to make some mistakes along the way, but I think from back to the point, tying it all together, bow on top from before, I think being present is first and yeah. foremost going to be the thing that's going to empower them to become, you know, the best people that they can be. So yeah. man, this has been amazing. Like I said, I had so much fun. Yeah. I had so much fun. This was <laughs> awesome. So but you know, all good things have to come to an end. So yeah, I know, I know, I know. You got other <laughs> stuff you got to go talk to cooler people, you know. <laughs> so Billy, Billy, what's the best way the audience can get in touch with you uh, so they can reach out and maybe, uh, you know, come meet up in person out in Barcelona? Well, anybody who wants to come to Barcelona, eh, quedar conmigo un, un par de días o lo que sea. No, um, so no. So th- there's a couple of ways. I, I always like to give people different flavors because everybody has different uh, thoughts, if that's okay with you, um, John. I guess for those, anyone who kind of is thinking about, hey, listen, you know, I, 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 that whole corporate thing, and I understand, and I'm maybe at a point where I'd like to talk to somebody that's already been there. I'm, I want to give you that opportunity. You can go to bit.ly forward slash speak with Billy. We can get on a quick call. We can talk about whatever it is that, that you want to talk about. You know, John, you were just asking me, one of the things I like to be able to do is give back because I was one of those people that when people gave me the opportunity to call, I actually called and reached out to them. So, um, you can do that. Um, also, too, if people want to understand 
about um, kind of the journey that I've done as a long distance investor, you can go to growyourmoneythesmartway.com, leave your email, leave your name, and we'll get a nice uh, PDF, about 76 pages, tells, uh, tells my story, the things to do, not to do as well. Um, and if anybody just wants to learn a little bit more about me, go to billykeels, B-I-L-L-Y-K-E-E-L-S.com, uh, and you can find out there. And, uh, and also twice a week, if anybody wants to take a listen to the Going Long podcast with Billy Keels, you can find us on all of your major channels and, uh, and also over on uh, most of your social media channels as well. So yeah, I like to give people options to, to reach out. Yeah, man. Well, I blew that at the beginning. I forgot. And he's an amazing podcaster. I do recommend any of my audience to go out there and check it out. He's got some great guests and I'm biased, but man, I, uh, I'm a big, I'm a big preferred equity guy right now. So I know you just had Rob Beardsley on there and yeah. risk adjusted man, preferred equity, yeah. especially if you're getting the depreciation on it. If you don't understand what we're talking about and you're thinking about investing in these deals, you got to listen to that okay. podcast. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. man, definitely. well, thank you so much. This has been awesome. I, uh, I wish you the best happy health and holidays, man. This has been amazing. <laughs> can, can, can I just say this, John? That was awesome. The way that you started this, I did not expect that at all. <laughs> I loved it. I was like on cloud nine uh, for the first, I don't know. I, I don't even remember the first 15 minutes. I was just awesome. I was like, dude, you crushed it. So I thank you very much, man, for giving me the opportunity to share a little bit of my story insights with, uh, with you and, uh, and your entire uh, audience, man. So thank you very much, John. Absolutely. Well, I've been practicing all morning. My wife is getting sick of me. She's like, yeah, in the other room, you're, you're, you're yelling. I'm like, that's how I speak Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Adios. Vamanos. Until next uh, time. Hasta luego. Live fulfilled. <laughs> thank you for listening to Contrarian Cashflow. I would greatly appreciate it if you left an honest review, hit subscribe so you never miss an episode and share with someone you feel would find value. Until next time. Think different, earn different, live fulfilled.